Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Stand on your feet one more time. I'm going to minister tonight on something that I feel very compelled. I was going to do, I was going to do the last of the decisions tonight. I am saving that for next Wednesday night because the Lord led me in a direction tonight that I think I need to go, and I'm going to do that. So I'm going, I'm going to speak tonight from the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm going to read the, the part of the scripture that, that I want to read, and it's going to be the title of my message, and here it is. Now there was a day. Everybody say, now there was a day. That's the first five words in the book of Job chapter 1 and verse 6. There was a day. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. He's going to preach the gospel to us. You may be seated. Let me just, let me preach a little. Job's story was, is awesome. He was a great guy. He lived for God. Had a lot of possessions and was well respected. The word says he was perfect and upright. Feared God. Hated evil. Had seven sons. Three daughters. Seven thousand sheep. Three thousand camel. Five hundred yoke of oxen. That meant a thousand oxen. Five hundred she asses. And the Bible said a very great household. He was, according to the word, the greatest man of the East. However, it is certain that he did not wake up one day with a perfect spirit. He did not wake up one day hating evil. He did not just wake up one day fearing God. Somewhere in his life, he took steps. He made decisions. And he planned through the process and determined to be what God wanted him to be. He deliberately, would you say deliberately, Deliberately. made choices. Folks, life is full of choices. Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche said, the life of the tree is not the fruit, but the seed We have to be before we produce. Say it with me. We have to be before we produce. So we make choices. And then we are made by those choices. I read a neat story. A man inherited a million dollars one day. and However, he had to claim it in Chile or Brazil. So he had to make a choice. So he chose Brazil. If he had chose Chile, he would have received silver and gold. But Brazil, he was paid in coffee or nuts. He had to make a choice, coffee or nuts, so he chose nuts. The price of nuts hit bottom while coffee soared, and he lost his whole inheritance. He had to sell his gold watch to fly back to the United States. He had enough money for either New York or Boston, and he chose Boston. And when the plane for New York pulled up, it was a new 767. And when the plane for Boston arrived, it was a 1928 Ford tri-motor with a sway back. 
It was an old, old plane. And over the Andes, one of the engines fell off. And he went to the pilot and said, let me off. I'm a jinx. Give me a parachute. And the pilot said, on this plane, you must have two parachutes. So he took two and he jumped. He pulled the first ripcord and it was rusty and the wire pulled, wire pulled loose and it was, it was a hopeless situation. So he pulled the second one. It worked. But half the chute didn't open. He cried out, St. Francis, save me. And a voice was heard, St. Francis Xavier or St. Francis of Assisi? <laughs> Choices. Choices. As a man said, life would be great if it weren't if I weren't confronted with so many choices. Let this pastor go on record. I will make one great statement of truth. Anytime, and I mean anytime a person makes a choice to follow Jesus Christ, to serve Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus Christ, anytime a person makes a commitment to follow the Lord, it is the right choice, period. Period. Somebody clap your hands real big. It's the right choice. Period. There are a lot of wrong choices in the world. But following the Lord is right. Never, never, never wrong. It's always right. Job lived life on purpose. Daniel purpose to follow the Lord in the first chapter of his writing. Joseph made up his mind early in his life. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going, but who he was going with. It's always the right thing to do. No matter where God leads you, stay connected to God because he'll lead you and never leave you while he is leading you. That's an awesome thing for me. You may not always understand God's ways. They may be mysterious to you. You may get confused sometimes. You may get overwhelmed other times. You may have more undesirable than desirable things happen to you. I did not get to choose my birth, but I can choose how I will die. I did not get to choose my genealogy, but I can choose the environment I hang around. I did not get to choose my circumstance. But I can choose my response. I have a question for all of us. What do we have that was not given to us? I'm going to preach here in just a minute. I'm fixing to throw down. Oh, I feel this in my spirit. What do we have that was not given to us? Even those that are serving the Lord. We came at his calling. We responded to his word, to his spirit. Even the angels of heaven were given choices. Gabriel chose to obey. Michael chose to stay. And Lucifer chose to rebel. This is not a robotical crowd. God does not want robots in his kingdom. Jacob became Israel because he responded to God. Esau became Edom. Because he did not respond to God. And though I am preaching the word right now. It's not the most important part of this service tonight. But 
the way we respond to it is the most important part of this service. How you respond to the word causes us to become what we become. That's why we must have an altar in our lives. The most important thing is not that you remember what I preached, but the most important thing is that you responded to the call of God when you heard the word of God. You may not remember the word a week from now, but you'll remember a response. I remember when I was a kid, I remember when the Lord touched my spirit and said I would preach this gospel. I don't know what was preached that night, but I remember where I was. I remember when he spoke to me. I remember when he said, this is what you will do. And my eyes were wet with tears and I was wiping and I couldn't wipe them fast enough. But I remember it still to this day. And there's no hell or high water that can take that call out of my life. You may not remember anything I've ever preached, but you'll remember nights when you responded to the Holy Ghost. Last Sunday, last Wednesday night, we had a move of God in this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And tonight the Holy Ghost has told me to tell you, it's not what I'm preaching, it's how you're responding that matters. You must respond to the call of God in your life. You need to lift your hands every now and then and say, count me in, Lord. I want to follow you from now on. The choice you make will make you. It really, really will. See, Job responded well to the things in his life. His balance sheet was awesome. And his life was going well. Then in verse 6, now there came a day. There will always come a day. When your motives will be tested. When your integrity will be tried. When your righteousness will come under scrutiny. Everyone faces this. Everyone. It's called the day. Now, there was a day. I want to tell you a true story. He was a Marine sergeant in 1965, and he was the elite in long-range rifle shooting, had been known to make shots of 2,000 yards and kill the enemy. He was a sniper for America. He found himself in Vietnam. He was approached by his superiors because there was a North Vietnamese sniper who was creating havoc to the United States. His name is Carlos Hathcock, and here's his picture. There's Carlos. He took the order. He became a sniper looking for a sniper. Sniper searching for a sniper. And the two men stalked each other in the Vietnamese jungle. Hathcock came to a place and sat there for several days in the quiet of his moments. Finally, he saw in the distance a tiny glimpse of light, and he knew what it was. It was a sun reflecting off of a telescope of a rifle. And on a hunch, he lowered his rifle and took a shot at 1,200 yards. And the light went out. And he went back to silence. His forces found out that he had killed the sniper that had been taking the lives of the Americans. And when the Vietnamese sniper was found, the bullet had gone through the telescope into his eye. Hathcock had squeezed off seconds before the Vietnamese sniper would squeeze off on him. His story was not over. Just before his discharge, in fact, two weeks before he was coming home for the final time, he was asked to take out a general, a man who had tortured many United States men in prison. This was to be his last assignment, 
It was a suicidal mission, and the sergeant told him, you may not live, Carlos. He would not be blamed if he did not do it. But Carlos, being the Marine that he was, accepted the task. And he was taken to the area where, there, where, where they knew the general would be. And he was 2,000 yards. There was a clearing of 2,000 yards between him and the general. And there was a ditch 1,200 yards out there that he had to get to before he could probably take the shot that would take the general down. There he would lay down and wait for the general. Camouflaged, he planned and crawled the 1,200 yards. And it took him an excruciating three days. He was crawling so slow it was like a praying mantis in the, in, in the hay. Very slow, very deliberate he crawled. The only time he stopped was at evening. And when the North Vietnamese troops went through the fields looking for U.S. troops, they had knives, bayonets on the end of sticks, and they would stab them in the ground trying to find somebody who was laying there in camouflage. And during that time, he did not eat a bite, but only took little lids of water from his canteen. And ants and bugs and all kinds of insects bit him everywhere. But in his mind, he said, I cannot stop. I have to keep going. So at the end of three days, he was at the 1,200-yard mark. He was spent. He was spent. It was three days of torture on his body, mentally, physically, emotionally. The insects tortured him. So he decided to stop and take his shot. He said, I can't go any further. This is great stuff. And it was at that moment that he paused and began to commune with himself. He lay there weary, he lay there tired, but there was still 800 yards from the target. And he began telling himself, I cannot go any further. I cannot get closer. I've got to take the shot from here. That he would stop here and complete the job. He could not continue the 800 or so yards to the general. Then he stopped himself and he said, no, I'm not thinking right right now. There's something in my mind not right right now. But I remember when I planned this mission. I planned it when I was in my right mind. And I may not be in my right mind now. I am tired. I'm weary now and almost sick enough to die. But when I planned this mission, I was in my right mind. And I'm going to stick with my plans that were made when I was still in my right mind. I will make the last few yards. I want to preach to a congregation tonight. I want to tell you, it's a long way from your commitment to Christ to the crown of heaven. There's a lot of crawling. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of loneliness. And there's a lot of hell telling you to turn around. Oh, hallelujah. And go back to where you started. And give up on this thing called Jesus. And walk away from him. And you're crawling. You're saying, I can't make it anymore. I've gone through the terror and the trouble and the trauma of life. And my family's discarded me. And my friends have walked away from me. And my home is messed up. And nothing's going on in my life. But stop and think a minute and say, no, no, no. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When I made this commitment, when I made this decision, I was in my right mind. I was in my right mind and there is nothing gonna stop me from making the journey. Nothing. 
Nothing. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing. Boy, life can get squirrely sometimes. There's some people that I pastor that think that things have gotten real bad in the last 24 hours. No, huh? No, no, no. What happened in the last 24 hours has nothing to do with your relationship with God. Boy, let me preach right now. Let me talk to you right now. And some of you think it's the greatest thing that ever happened in the last 24 hours. And it has nothing to do with your walk with God. I will tell you this. You've got to lay aside every sin and every weight that does so easily beset you. And you've got to run this thing. The only decision that matters in your life that's going to be eternal in your life is your decision to follow Jesus Christ. And when you made that decision, you made it. In your right mind. I'm going to stick with my plans. I will make the last few yards. I will tell you now, when Job came to his day and the servant's footsteps came by his door and they told him about the loss of his kids and the destruction of his crops and told him about his animals that had been stolen and told him that all had been lost, he simply said, the Lord gives and he takes away. I am not turning back now because I planned this journey with my God when I was in my right mind. I made my decision to follow God when I was thinking correctly. I will not quit because I'm not thinking right now. There are some people that come to church that are in turbulence. Some of you are coming out of turbulence and some of you are going into turbulence. Set your face toward God and make some decisions. Ask for me in my house. I don't care if cancer's eating in my body. Ask for me in my house. I don't care if syrup goes to a dime a sop. Ask for me in my house. I don't care if I lose my job tomorrow. Ask for me in my house. I don't care if everything goes upside down and the baskets turn over. Ask for me in my house. I don't care what happens to me physically. Ask for me in my house. You've got to get that in your mind. You've got to make some decisions that will carry you when the times get tough. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. You've got to remain righteous. You've got to remain focused. You've got to remain forthright. Whatever God wants, he'll get. You have to plan this in your right mind. Matthew 24, talk, Jesus talks about a day of trouble coming. He said the temple would not have one stone left on another. That's pretty bad, isn't it? He said false Christ would come to deceive many. There would be wars and rumors of wars. Get ready. This must come. But the end is not yet. Nations will rise against nations. Kingdoms against kingdoms. Pastor, you sound mighty negative. Famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And this is the beginning of sorrows, he said. They shall deliver you to be afflicted. Some will be killed. You'll be hated of all nations for my namesake. You'll be offended by many. False prophets will arise. Iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. But verse 13 he said, but he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. For 51 verses Jesus goes on. 
Two's going to be in the field. One taken, the other left. Two grind at the mill. One taken, the other left. Be ready for the hour you think not the Son of Man is coming. Let me say something right now. You need to get up every morning and kind of look up. Because this is the beginning of the end of it all. I promise you, we are in an evil and iniquitous place. But God is coming for his kids. And my message tonight is simply this. My message tonight is simply this. Whatever comes. Come here, Brother Octavius. Come here, Reed. Come here. You big guys. You look like big old offensive linemen. You did play offense, did you? Yeah. And you was a magic man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Get, there, get right there, Octavius. Get here, Reed. Stand, stand behind him, Octavius. Stand right behind him. Stand. No, not his face, man. Stand behind him. Okay, okay. See, I'm, I'm on a journey here, okay? I'm on a journey. I made my decision to make it when I was in my right mind. But this guy's got a camouflage jacket on. We're not going to wrestle, baby. I'm going to use that jujitsu on you. I'm going to use your weight against yourself. And I'm just going to say, you have to get out of my way. Because I'm headed to something greater than what you can stop me from having. And sir, I, I, I think the world of you, but you're going to have to get out of my way too. I'm looking for a city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. There is nothing in this world big enough to stop you from getting to where God wants you to go. No drugs, no alcohol, no illicit immorality, nothing is able to separate you from the love of God. you got to make up your mind. When I committed to follow Jesus Christ, I made that decision in my right mind. And nothing, nothing is going to stop me from getting to where I want to go in Him. Clap your hands and rejoice tonight. That's the Word of God. Thank you, guys. Then in chapter 25. He continues with the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. The difference, five had oil, five had run out. The virgins that had run out ran to get more, didn't make it back in time, were left behind. Somebody hear this, Pastor. It's going to take the oil of the Holy Ghost in the end time. It's going to take a filling. Don't get caught without the oil in your life. I want you to clap your hands real big and say, Lord, fill me with the oil of the Spirit. Come on. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Come on, fill me. Then Jesus goes into the five and the two and the one talents. The theme of the story, once we're filled with the oil, we must be productive in our life. You cannot sit on what you have, receive, produce. You may not preach, you may not sing, you may not teach, but you can be a productive child of God. Somebody here tonight needs to make a decision today while you are in your right mind. Simply say, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I've decided to be a Christian. Move over, world. I will commit and follow the Lord today. Amen. 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 Hear me, young men. Joseph was a young man, and as a young man somewhere, someplace, sometimes, something stirred in him, something that said, I will be different than my brothers. Maybe one day he heard his father's Jacob praying in his tent for his brothers, 
For Reuben, the oldest brother, had gone to his father's bed. And Simeon and Levi had performed treacherous acts and instruments of cruelty they were. But something stirred in Joseph. I will not be like my brothers. I will please God and my father. But there came a day. There will always be a day in your life. When the pit came. When the auction block was in front of him. Then Potiphar's house. His wife's advance in prison. And 17 long years. And I'm going crazy. What am I doing in this prison? I had a coat of many colors on me. I had another coat I had to run out of at Potiphar's wife's house. But somewhere in his heart, he knew he had made the right decision because he made it when he was in his right mind. Past decisions determine how you respond today. You have to live with those choices now. But today's choices determine your future. You must make the right choices now. Let me just ask you. How many want to be a worshiper in the last days? A worshiper. How many want to have a, just an old-fashioned vaccination of faithfulness in your life in the last days? How many want to be able to run with the footman? How many want to say, I'm not going to fall down. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get up. I'm going to keep running because God is with me. And if God's for me, who could be against me? Come on. How many want that in your life? That's good stuff right now. It was Paul that stated after three times beaten with rods and one time stoned and three times shipwrecked and a night and a day in a deep and journeys offered in perils of water and perils of countrymen and perils in the city among the heathens in the sea among false brethren. Know what it was to be weary and pain and hunger and thirst and no food and sometimes out of necessities, cold and without. Besides all the daily things that come on me, like the care of all the churches. Every day, things came my way. But I hear him say, I made a decision one day on a road to Damascus. Now nothing can separate me from the love of God. I planned this journey when I was in my right mind. It's not enough to love this church or to love the music or the preacher or the staff or the saints. You've got to fall in love with Jesus. Not just like him, but fall in love with him. And you must make decisions and choices, and then they make you. You've got to say this, sink or swim, live or die, rain or sun, sick or well, high or low, cloudy or sunny, I've chosen to follow Jesus. And I'm as sane as I've ever been in my life. Amen. Amen. Make your choice. You'll be made by it. I'm almost through. I don't take long, do I? Thank you for that compliment. You just kind of giggled. I guess that meant you like it. I read about a man with an accordion one day. He was playing that accordion. The tempo picked up. People got excited. He was down in Louisiana on a street corner playing this accordion. And he threw it up in the air. Pulled it off and just threw it up in the air. And it came down upside down. And when he grabbed it, he didn't try to turn it over. He just kept playing it upside down. So it is with life. It will all always be right side up. But I've got to keep playing. I've got to keep playing. Abraham refused to the country that he came from, to his family and his friends. All will have a chance to return. Make your choice. Stick with Jesus. And let's go to heaven together.
Randy. Yep. Eddie Rickenbacker got his first job when he wasn't even hired. He wasn't even hired. Frayer Miller Automobile Company was the place he went to work, and Mr. Frayer was busy when Eddie walked in. And Eddie told him, I'll be reporting for work tomorrow, Mr. Frayer. Mr. Frayer said, who hired you? And Rickenbacker said, nobody yet. But I'll come in the morning, and if I'm not worth hiring, you can fire me, sir. <laughs> I love those kind of people. He became a famous for racing. He also became a World War I flying ace, a hero for all times. Maybe that's how heroes are made. People that just walk in and say, I've made up my mind. I'm going to be in this church. Family won't stop me. Husband won't stop me. Wife won't stop me. Kids won't stop me. Hell, you're not going to stop me either because I've made my choice. I was sitting on a plane one day. Boy, I like this new sweater that Robert and Rosie got me. It's kind of nice. Got pockets. You know that looks cool, don't you? I love his sweater. I was, I was, I was, I moved up in a plane. I, I've told this story. If you heard it, just say, well, I've heard that story before. And a man, a man came up that had been, had been doing a, a duty in Iraq and they set him beside me in the first class seats. And of course I treated him like a father. He was young enough to be my son. And I said, man, I'm proud of you. And I hate to tell you this, but when I hugged him, I cried. Because he had such a good spirit. I just hugged him. Man, I'm proud of him. I love America. I love our country. He sat down. And me, you know, I, 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 I'll talk to a stop sign if it won't run away. <laughs> and I said, I got to ask you, what's the, what's the neatest thing that you ever saw in the military? He said, oh, it's, it's easy. It's easy. That's, 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 I've had this, people ask me that before. And it's the greatest story. I'll pick to tell you a great story pastor I said what is it he said well when we first went to basics said there was a guy there that had had hair out to here and ever two inches was dyed a different color he had a big old afro and said his name was hunter and we called him psychedelic head and said when he got a haircut when they shaved it all off said his head was just all colors <laughs> psychedelic head so we shortened it to psycho and we told him, they said, we said, you're not fit for the military. You're not fit for the army. And he said, oh, I am. I am. You need to go home. You need to get out of here now while the getting's good. Just get out. Go. Try to get a discharge. You're not going to make it, man. And he said he pulled off his shirt and flexed and said, he said, I am army. I am army. And he said, we all kind of looked at him and thought, well, he might have something in there. Nobody wanted to mess with him when they flexed. And he said, Pastor, said he went on and we, we separated. Said I became a good friend of his and we separated. And he said, when Mr. Saddam Hussein was captured, he had become a part of the, the Rangers. So when he was captured, said it was his platoon that took Mr. Saddam Hussein out of that spider hole. He said, we'd have never give you a dime for his army. And he flexed and he said, I am army.
some of us need to flex every now and then and say, I am the church. This is who I am. I'm not just attending here. I am a part of the church of the living God. My name is church. Come on now. My name is church. Come on. My name is church. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that before, that before Jesus ever showed John the revelation of 6 through 18, those 13 chapters, in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he led him and brought him into a worship session. And John got to see beasts and he got to see flying creatures and he got to see the lamb and he got to see elders pulling their crowns off and throwing them at the feet. And he got to see this heaven experience. And then he said, John, I want you to write what you see. And he started writing all about the beast and the, the plagues and all the things that were going to come to pass. And in John chapter 19, you see John still standing. Can you imagine on an isle of Patmos by himself seeing all this ugly stuff? Can you imagine how many times you want to say, God, let's quit this business, okay? Let me just die. But there was something in him that said, you know what? When I started this, I was in my right mind. And I don't care what the day brings. I'm going to finish the task that Jesus Christ called me to finish. I will complete this mission. Amen? Stand to your feet all over the house and clap your hands real big right now. Hallelujah. 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 There will always be a day. There will always be a day. What you going to do when that day comes in your life? Are you going to quit or still commit? Are you going to fail? Are you going to go forward? That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Here's what I want to tell you before I let you go tonight. Here's what I want to tell you. When you sense, when you sense that there is impediments, things that are causing you to perhaps waver in your walk and stumble in your, in your, in your get along, you need to find you an altar. And you need to make that statement, Lord, when I committed my life to you, I did it knowing I had my right mind. I made a commitment knowing I was all right up here. And no matter what happens, I'm going to keep that commitment. I'm going to keep it. Because, folks, we need people who are committed to the cause of Christ in 2016 like we've never needed in all of our life. I want you to take somebody's hand beside you and I want you to look at them and say, come on, let's do this thing. Let's do this thing called heaven. Come on, let's do this thing called life. Let's do this thing called life. Come on, let's do it. Let's make, let's make life happen. Come on, let's do this thing called life. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. <clears throat> let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Amen. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.